Welcome to Comparing Notes Podcast, where three ordinary pastors from three different generations compare notes about life and ministry. My name is Ryan Haskins. I'm one of your hosts, and I'm joined by Andy and Glenn, my co-hosts. And as always, we start the episodes by asking a, a generational question to compare things just to see where each other stands. This this question kind of follows on the heels of last week's question of what do you think the best oldie or what do you think oldies music decade is? And here it is. In your opinion, what is the best and or worst remake of a song or movie from your past that they have remade today? Um, you can you, you can pick best or worst, whichever one kind of fits the MO. So some, think of something that came out when it was your childhood or teenage years that now Hollywood or the music industry has decided to remake. Andy, give me a moment. So you jump in. All right. Well, I recently uh, watched the new Matrix movie that came out. And uh, the first, very first Matrix movie was, uh, I always loved something that's original. It was extremely original. Um, it actually made a pretty big spat, splash in the evangelical world because it had all these kind of Christian sub-themes and ideas that were coming out of it. And so there was a lot of discussion and um, enjoyed the action nature of the movie. Watched the remake that recently came out. And it was one of the worst uh, movies I've seen in a really long time. It was wanted to be meta and it was kind of making fun of its previous self, but still trying to be a serious movie. And I couldn't figure out exactly what they were trying to do. Um, I almost turned it off. I usually, uh, I usually don't, um, but I was probably the closest I've been in a really long time of just abandoning it. Well, something did come to my mind, and uh, not a movie, uh, but uh, on, on music-related. Uh, my wife and I recently uh, we were playing around with Alexa, and we were inviting Alexa to play the the uh, the top songs. I get Alexa talking to me now in the background. Um, I we invited Alexa to tell us uh, what the top songs were in our graduation, our high school graduation years, and uh, Elton John and uh, and Rocket Man was uh, one of my favorite songs during that particular time period. And, uh, and uh, recently, it might be about five or six years ago now, though, uh, a little big town, the country group, uh, did a remake of that as a tribute <laughs> to Elton John and really loved their version as well. So uh, I don't know why that came to my mind. That uh, probably just uh, the impression, impression, impressionableness of uh, high school uh, senior with uh, Elton John's version, and then hearing that with them, uh, I enjoyed it. Rocket Man. So I, I've got two songs that um, came to mind. One of them I know both the original artist and the new artist. The other one I don't know the original artist. But the first one is the the Sound of Silence. Simon and Gar and Garfunkel played it originally, and it was terrible. I'm sorry, I just got to say that. But then the band Disturbed re remade the song. And it was amazing, in my opinion. Um, and then the other one is I didn't realize that Whiskey Lullaby by um, Chris Stapleton. Chris is not the original artist. And if you look back at the original um, release of Whiskey Lullaby, it is, or not Whiskey Lullaby, um, Tennessee Whiskey. I'm sorry, Tennessee Whiskey. It is terrible. And Chris makes that that song as well. So. But I would say Sound of Silence is the best remake that I can think of at the moment. I'm Googling them as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, I have to put the preface on 
disturbed as a band i can't as a pastor i can't promote i can't put my stamp of approval on it i just promote that song so don't throw stones out there okay <laughs> you're now, safe so our uh t- our pod our topic for today is going to be marriage and ministry all three of us are married so we get the privilege of serving and ministry alongside our wives um i i would say though i know here at community. We always tell our pastors and their spouses that we hire the pastor and not the wife. But one of the, at times, struggles um, and one of the blessings that we have as pastors is that we get to do um, life and ministry with our spouse. And so just to start off the conversation, um, what has been the most surprising thing about life and ministry as it relates to your marriage? What was the thing that surprised you the most when you entered ministry as it relates to your marriage? And whoever can go first. Well, I think for us, um, my wife came from a background that uh, wives were very much I- idolized. Um, and so it was, she she had a certain perception of what a, a ministry wife would be. And she felt very much the fact that she didn't fit that perception. Um, and by God's grace, we actually ended up uh, in a spot where that was not the not the case. She wasn't required to be act or look a certain way. Um, and so she had some freedom at times to develop um, and to be her own person. And I think that, that has been an amazing blessing and a, a little bit of a surprise, probably more for her than for me. Yeah, I'm on the positive side. I'm surprised at how uh, how much joy has come over the years in an increasing joy and just the fact that both of us are ministry minded, both of us just are as engaged as we each possibly can in our own unique ways. And uh, we just truly enjoy being able to help the other find their full expression in uh, in that in that ministry life. And uh, it's uh, I mean, I just when I'm thinking of of other of others that are in ministry and it hasn't been synced up quite as well. Uh, I'm just so thankful that ours has been. For me, when I think about um, my relationship with Amy in a ministry, I don't think I could do ministry without her. And yeah. in some respects, and I don't want to throw any shade towards those single men. There's I'm obviously the, the Lord has gifted you, but I would be less of a pastor if I did not have my wife there to um, nine times out of 10 say, Hey dummy, don't say it that way. <laughs> or have you thought about this perspective or calm me down or talk me off the ledge or encourage me? I mean, I just, all of these ways on a, on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, if my wife wasn't in step with me, comforting me, encouraging me, supporting me, um, I would definitely be less of, of an individual. Um, so in that way, it's, I wouldn't want to be a pastor without my wife and somebody else next to me. Oh, that's so good. That's so true personally as well as ministry wise. So this is always an interesting thing with with pastors and wives. As I said, I, I know for for um, us here, we always take the mo that uh, we hire the man, we don't hire the wife, and so there's the expectation of um, you know the wife has to play the piano, be in charge of women's ministry, all all of these various expectations that can be placed upon pastor's wife. Um, how would you counsel somebody coming into either fresh into ministry, new into ministry, you know, in a stage like myself or somebody who's struggling to find a balance, what counsel would you give on how to best shape and balance the marriage ministry 
um, context, how much, uh, what, what expectations should be placed upon the marriage when you're in ministry? You know, you are uh, setting us up here to get in a little bit of trouble, right? Um, because we're, we're doing this podcast without our wives uh, being here. And so uh, anything that we say is... Uh, canon will be used against us. Yeah, canon, canon will be used against us. Um, so just, just uh, we'll, we'll, we'll just put that disclaimer right here at the top. Sorry, um, honey, you would say it better. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I do think that that statement, um, both to the candidate and to the church, I think is important to set an expectation at the front um, that there, there is, you know, you are hiring someone, you're not hiring the power couple. Um, and I, I think that depending on the background of the church, depending on where they've come from, um, who, the, who has been ministered before them, that, that is an expectation that can be hard to, for people to work through. Um, and so I, I think you, you have to start with that. Um, I think there's also an importance of, of setting and defining some limits uh, of, hey, this is, and that sometimes means that, especially at the beginning, you're going to have to say no, or we're not going to do that, or we're not going to do it this way. Um, and that that helps to provide some boundaries. I think especially as, as I think, a younger pastors with kids and, and what that's going to look like, um, that becomes an important discussion across the leadership and then to the wider church uh, that that's being communicated, that there's the right expectations. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think it, it for for my position, it begins with talking to the search team and to those who are hiring and and asking that very specific question of what their expectations are uh, on on the wife and and how it goes. And then, of course, uh, keeping that question in front of uh, the couple that's coming in. Uh, it used to be that it was just assumed of what, you know, we're talking about, that they would be that couple coming in, both engaged highly. And, and obviously, if there was some, some music or children's ministry that was embedded in that, that was kind of assumed. I don't see that assumption anymore. Now I do see, and hopefully it's because we've been learning uh, and, uh, and now applying things in a, in a better way that we that we are bringing that right up right up to the front and asking that question and uh, giving them the ability to be able to to speak into that and uh, and I think even that question asked by a search team or those that are doing the hiring uh, gives you great insight into that couple's relationship right from the get go and uh, is forcing them to have to rethink that again based on maybe the position that they've just come out of. I think the other thing that this that's on the front end. I think on as things develop, uh, there also has to be points of reevaluation. Um, I know in our case, uh, you know, my wife graciously serves in so many different ways, and just over the years, as people have stepped out of ministry or there has been needs, she has been willing um, to step into spots and to do certain things. And then what ends up happening is those just get assumed that that's what she does, and then those get layered on top of each other um, until the point where it almost can become overwhelming. And so I think there has to be points along the way, you know, whether that's at some kind of regular clip or, you know, uh, in just conversations where things that have been assumed or the things that um, you have asked of your wife or your wife has willingly taken on that you step back and evaluate and say, is this really um, 
who she is? Is this what she's gifted? Is this what she even wants to do? I mean, I think a lot of times in ministry, what happens is um, our wives are willing to serve us and they want to serve the church and they love the Lord. And so they pick up things because they're they're willing to do those things and we're willing to let them do those things. But it's not things that they're necessarily gifted or even desirous of doing. And so there has to be at some point a reevaluation or those things are just going to get continue to be piled on them. Yeah, it's really good, really important. Um, to me, it's it's just a, a it's one of the best teaching moments for church leaders and for congregations when you have these transitions of pastoral leadership to be able to have this discussion about about women in ministry and uh, and just uh, valuing uh, valuing them uh, the uniqueness that each brings to to bear and just the importance of our stewarding. Uh, the girls and the women in our congregations in such a way that that uh, they see that that each and every one of us is uh, uh, is so important to the advancement of the kingdom, and we need uh, everybody on board, but on board in a way that that really brings out who they are uh, in Christ, and not how we think they need to be. Yeah, life and ministry is 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 so unique because so many of the normal relationship bubbles that uh, everyone carries are all melded into one. Our church is the same place as our workplace. Our friend group is the same place as our congregants. And, and all of these things can, can mold into almost only having one bucket in life where others have a little more separation. That's a good thing and a bad thing. And I think the person who suffers the most is actually wives um, and children, um, but but wives, because we we want to come home as as men at times, or ladies at times who are in ministry as well, and uh, and and dump on our spouses of let me tell you about my day. But that means we're also dumping on our church. That means we're also dumping on our friends. There's all of these connections. So with with you men, just question I have is how have you guys worked through that balance of knowing what should you take home to your wife? And share with her about those struggles. Or have you have, have you guys come away with any tried and true principles or tactics of this is when I talk about what's going on. This is when I don't talk about what's going on. Here's how I don't voice my frustrations. I tell her everything, you know, and even even out of both from here's where it's worked and here's where it, ha- it doesn't work for somebody who's trying to figure out that balance or maybe their life is out of balance and they're trying to get back into a, a normal rhythm. Uh, what wisdom can you offer to just help with that balance of of work and life uh, with your wife who has to carry that load with you? Andy, what have you how how have you uh, made this work with with you and Melissa? Well, I mean, I I would say it's a delicate thing at times. Um, I think as things affect you personally, um, as a leader, as a church leader, there's certain things that are going to affect you. And when that is happening, she has to have some sort of awareness to it. Um, it may not mean that she has to know all of the details, um, but I've been guilty at times of just trying to, you know, take it on myself and not wanting to put that burden on her. Um, and that's one of the things recently I've had to try to see if I can figure out how to grow in because she desires to love me and care for me and and walk alongside me. and. Um, in my desire to shelter her, um, I can also create a distance, um, because that, you know, I'm not talking about those things. I think the delicate side of it is when there is, whether it's leadership conflict or there's counseling or 
Um, there, there's things that are sensitive. I don't think she always needs to know all of those details. Um, and in fact, I think it actually can be a deficit. And I think sometimes our church has to know that. I mean, we've had situations where people have come to my wife thinking that I go home after a counseling session and I just tell her everything. And, you know, somebody's come up and said something to her and she's clueless and doesn't know what they're talking about. I think that's actually a good thing um, because that provides some distance of those things that she she doesn't need to know. Uh, I think it's she has to have a space where she can walk in on a Sunday morning and she can worship um, without being kind of seen as the second shepherd where she has to have those eyes of looking out over people. That's what God's called us to do as the shepherds and to love and to care for individuals. And that's not what God has called her to do. Yeah, I think Karen, I know Karen understands the nature of the the business, so to speak, and that uh, there are things that just uh, she um, doesn't need to know. And, and, uh, and so she's never, she's never really pushed me for, for, information just to have that information to know what's going on. But I appreciate what you said, Andy, and I think Karen's very much like that. She, she wants to know what is affecting me though. And, uh, and she, and so she wants what's best for me. And so if what's best for me is to just come home and have some silence, cause I'm just done with my words for the day, or if I need to come home and just kind of unload something, she's sensitive to that, but she's sensitive to it, not for herself, but for, for myself. Uh, and I and I certainly appreciate that. Uh, I probably err on the fact of not telling her. Uh, I, I should I could tell her more and incorporate her more into the sense of of this is what we're about and this is why we're sacrificing certain things because we're getting a, to be able to to have this kind of influence or, or this kind of impact. I I remind I remind myself regularly to make sure I include her on on uh, on what's going on. But uh, but I'm thankful that she that she sees. The nature of what of what we're about and uh, doesn't seek to it to just fulfill any own personal quest that she might have. This is kind of shifting focus some um, still with with marriage. You know, as as people in ministry, we're one of the things we do often is give counsel, and it's a regular part of pastoral ministry, regular part of the church, and and some of the, a lot of a lot of the counseling we give is around marriages. But it seems as if the only marriage in the church that can't seek counsel and can't need counsel is the pastor's marriage. Then even the pastors can carry this weight of, I can't admit that I need help because if I admit that I need help, I'm going to be fired. I'm going to be judged. They're going to, you fill in the blank. Um, and yet pastors are sinners and pastors' wives are sinners and people need help and people need counsel. So where can a pastor turn? when their marriage is in trouble what 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 place can a pastor and their pastor's wife seek that they can be vulnerable and they can be weak and they can be honest and deal with things that come up in just regular life living together as two sinners regardless of whether you're a pastor or not have you guys found areas in your church or in life with ministry groups that you can point people towards where if they're in that season right now where okay we we need we we need to get help but I can't go to my church or where can I go in my church to, to find that help? Can you guys think about those places in, in life and ministry where pastors and their marriages can go seek help for that relationship? Well, I mean, uh, this is going to assume a little bit, but 
um, I would hope that you have a healthy leadership um, elder base in your church, that those are things that you could talk about in your church and in your leadership without a threat of uh, being fired. Um, I recognize that's not the case everywhere. And I also recognize that some pastors aren't necessarily going to be comfortable with that. Um, but maybe even the opportunity of a, of a elder uh, within the church where you've developed a relationship enough that you can you can, can communicate that or you can vocalize those struggles. Um, I also think that there is a place uh, of those pastor pastoral relationships outside the church with other pastors um, where you can struggle with that together um, and counsel and encourage. I think that's a little bit more difficult at times, especially with our wives, because we have the professional um, space and responsibility even to develop those relationships with other pastors where those wives don't always have that space to do that. So that can be a, a little bit more difficult. And then third, I would say there is a place and I, I think there should be a freedom where they can go and seek professional help um, outside of the church. And uh, I know in certain places, in certain circles, that's taboo. But I, I think um, there's there needs to be a, a place and a space and a willingness. And I would even venture to say there needs to be um, some willingness within the church congregation and the church budget to provide that for their pastor. Um, I know that for some places that may be even a radical idea, but that counsel that would be extended both to the pastor and to the couple, I think, is an important thing. Yeah, I'd like to uh, affirm that layer layering that that Andy mentioned. I think you know it is so important to have significant others uh, that you can speak to, and I think that's a question that we could that we could present to pastors and to their wives is just to you know, do you have you have those one or few people that you can go to with some of the most intimate things. Um, and as a, and as a husband wanting my, wanting my wife to have that kind of relationship and giving her the freedom and the time to be able to cultivate that um, is important. Um, another layer then would be just uh, to putting, creating an environment uh, where uh, pastors can get to know each other and hopefully pastors wives can maybe start to hook up and be able to have that ex expression. But I particularly like what you, where you ended with Andy, and the fact that that there are just some things, and and get to, getting there sooner rather than later. And Karen and I have both needed to do that, where we go to someone that is uh, that is gifted and 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 has the ability to be able to draw out and have us talk about these important things. And and as a as a as a as a, a network of churches here in the southeast, uh, we have counselors on retainer, so to speak. And, uh, and letting the pastors and their wives know that if you ever get into a position where you as an individual or you as a couple need to need to speak to someone, uh, we have a group that's ready and, and, and willing to be able to, to serve you in that way. And in our district, uh, our association will pick up the first three sessions uh, that you have. And if you want it more than that, then, then we'll work out a deal for how you can continue to make that happen. Uh, but I just think it's really important for for that to be normalized to see that, that hey, this is there are times where we all need this, and we want to make it as easy for you to get there as possible. Hey, Glenn, can I ask you a question? You Absolutely. you had mentioned in a previous podcast that your wife had mentioned the D word. Yep. And maybe tell us what was the what was the process that you guys went through, and how did you work through that? Maybe it was you know personal first or. 
what 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 did that look like for you guys personally to to struggle through that and then to come to some resolution even within the context of ministry well the con- the context of the of the problem was was I live by the I am third principle God first others second me third uh, the problem that that I encountered was that I brought my wife and my family into me as the third and so I was always you know, time with God and then time with others first and uh, and pretty much ignoring Karen and the family in all the travels and things that I was that I was going through. Uh, when it got to that, when it, when it got to that uh, volcanic moment uh, and and, uh, and the word was thrown out there, it was uh, it just hit with such a ton of bricks. Um, and God in his graciousness had 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 led my. Uh, um, led my reading uh, of a book to help me with a, with a response to that and to, to help me realize what was going on. So, so that volcanic moment throughout the word on my knees, face to face with, yeah, I think this is, this is why I've been choosing the wrong things. I've got my priorities wrong here. Um, I have been ignoring you, acknowledging that before her, but then, Andy, I don't know if you were on the, the district board at that time right there, but one of the things that helped that was just me being able, me verbalizing that with others, uh, me being able to just share, hey, I've blown it. This is how I've blown it. Uh, and, and, and just talking about that and reminding me of uh, uh, how vulnerable I am and how I need to, to make things right. And then also realizing uh, through the conversation with Karen and through others, as I verbalized that we, and we talked around this particular issue, was that, you know, Karen wasn't asking for a lot. The kids weren't asking for a lot. They just wanted to, they just wanted a, a bit more. And, and me just being intentionally able to find here's here's something that I can do uh, to uh, to be able to uh, to help Karen. Here's what I can do to let the kids know that. Uh, very simply for me, one was making the bed. I make the bed. I wash the sheets now. Um, it's not that much, but what that means to Karen is huge. Um, another thing I do is just along with the calendar, where rather than me just throwing the calendar together on my own and letting her know uh, what I'm doing, it's together being able to help think through uh, what's my schedule going to look like? Where's our time going to be at? And just the fact that she knows that I'm thinking about that and piecing that in. Those are two things that happen. But Again, just, uh, yeah. I guess what I heard in that from the foundation, Glenn, is that you were willing to admit weakness first and then yep. from that position work towards a resolution. And I, and just thinking about the, 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 the marriages and ministry that I, I have been close to that, that I think has been the hardest struggle for people is to admit weakness and say, I don't have it together. And to the pastor out there listening, or to anyone listening, if you feel like you're in a position where you can't admit that you're weak, you need to evaluate where you've come because that's a that's a dangerous place to be because we are weak and we're going to make mistakes. And so if we don't have the ability to raise our hands, we don't feel like we have the freedom to, to put up the white flag and say, okay, I need some help over here. That's going to end in a desperate situation because we're just going to live in minute in, in misery for so long until it boils over. And when it boils over, it's not going to go well. Yeah. Any other last thoughts on this topic of marriage and ministry that you'd want to leave our listeners with? Well, I've given you the image of making the bed. 
uh, every day when I when I'm home for that. I'll throw out another image and think of the dishwasher. Um, I have an aversion to the dishwasher. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to load the dishes. I don't want to do anything when it comes to the dishwasher. Leaving that all to Karen. Uh, how does that help me? That helps because there are times that that Karen will have an aversion to something. And I'll say, well, don't you get it? It's just, it's easy. It's just, you do this and you do that. A dishwasher is not hard to figure out. I just don't want anything to do with it. And there are certain things that she has going on in her life, whether it's technology, this or that, that she just doesn't want to do. And the very fact that I have that dishwasher in my life helps me to not only back off of some expectations that I might have for her, but even with others as well. And say, you know, there's just some things that that uh, I just need grace on or some mercy from, and that I need to show grace and show mercy too. For what That's a good worked. word. <laughs> well, thank you guys, and thank you for listening to the Comparing Notes podcast. We hope this conversation has been uh, helpful and encouraging as you figure out what life looks like in life and ministry. We hope that you will catch us next week. Thank you for listening to the Comparing Notes podcast. If you'd like to contact us, you can do so by emailing us at comparingnotes at gmail.com.